Soifua, welcome to Champions of the Pacific, where sport and the islands come together. I'm Tali Anderson. Hello, Oketa Wontok, I'm Vinnie Wiley. Today we hear from Papua New Guinea's cricketers on preparing for the biggest tournament in their history in the middle of a pandemic. And New Zealand's first rugby programme delivered in Pacific languages. It's almost two years since Papua New Guinea made history by qualifying for the Men's T20 Cricket World Cup. The Barramundis were meant to make their debut in the big time in October last year in Australia, until, you guessed it, COVID-19. Their maiden appearance was rerouted to India later this year, before the ICC announced the tournament would be shifted to the UAE and Oman because of the worsening COVID situation in the country. Papua New Guinea has its own COVID challenges which have hampered the Barramundi's preparations on home soil. Cricket PNG Chief Executive Greg Campbell and new Barramundi's coach Carl Sandry are both stuck in Australia, away from the bulk of the playing group. They joined me in the studio and with two months to go I began by asking Greg Campbell if he thought the tournament would go ahead. That's a million dollar question, Vinny, that's around the world at the moment. But look there, the ICC are adamant it's going to happen. All the plans are in place uh, for us to go, hopefully on the 29th of August, to fly to Oman and play a series of warm-up games before we go into our Cricket League World 2 and then uh, on to the World Cup. And look, yeah, it has been a long time, two years ago, you know, when we made that qualifier and finished second in in Dubai, we were looking forward to Australia and, and we're extremely confident and we're still confident now, you know. The boys have, uh, I tell you, hat off to them. They've trained under difficult conditions like everyone around the world. They've started playing their own domestic comp last year leading into Australia and, of course, we know they got abandoned and they've kept their heads up. Um, they're still enthusiastic, mate. Look, it's a World Cup. doesn't matter where where and when it's played. You only get one opportunity to do it. So they're, they're in a, a great spot like that. But this has been in the making a long, long time. You know, we, we were disappointed a couple of times in 2015. And, you know, before that, there's been a lot of work go into it. So, but look, everyone's up and ready to go. And Carl, you probably uh, rang in the new year at the end of 2020, not thinking you were going to end up being a part of the Barramundi's World Cup campaign. But uh here you are, uh, still to meet the team in the flesh, but um, you know you found yourself in the top job, and uh, it's probably an ideal situation really to get to Oman early and and have like that extended period with the squad, so you really can, um, you know, get to know them on a day to day basis and you know spend that time together. Yeah, exactly, Vinny. Given it's been so long since we've played competitively and since I've not been on the ground with them yet, that was really an important part of our planning with Greg and the management team to get some practice and get to know the group ahead of the World Cup. So we've done well and everyone's worked hard to get into Oman and just talking to the boys a lot via the WhatsApp and Zoom. I think as the countdown becomes real now, and for me, who have been doing a lot of these Zoom chats with them, just really keen to get on the ground and do what you do as a coach, get on the ground, be on the beat with them, training every day. And that kind of thing is really the exciting part that's now starting to bubble away and it's getting closer, Vinny. And that's going to be the exciting part for me and the team just to get back on the ground again after such a big hiatus. And as Greg said, the way they've trained through protocols, the staff, they've been so positive through that. They've navigated their way through that safely. So now, again, not long to go. And then once we get to Oman, we live with a bit more freedom and a full support staff. We're on the ground doing our thing. Yeah, you're no stranger to some of these players from your own playing days. Yeah, yeah, I've come across them a few times, been on the on the losing side, but that's okay. Uh, but the know them a, a few through that. Um, for the captain and I go way back uh, to when we were both a lot younger. But uh, uh, that's been exciting, as I said, to play against them 
and to feel that pressure and presence they put you under as a team then. I've spoken to the players and that's something that we really want to play to our strength and, and make sure we keep doing that um, as we move forward as a team. So I'm looking forward to them keeping that going. What is the mood of the players, Greg? Because um, obviously PNG has its COVID challenges up there as well, where the bulk of them are from initially qualifying that high to Australia, to India, to, to Oman. And obviously you have to get there first. Um, what, how are they feeling? They're all, always up and about. Um, we've um, been reiterating to them about how important a World Cup is. Like I said, not a lot of people in the world get to play one. They were disappointed like uh, we were um, when Australia couldn't host it. But, you know, the World Cup's going to happen somewhere and it would look like India and that was going to be a great place for these boys to go. And now it's in Dubai and Oman and they have a of history in Dubai, so they know the conditions. Now, that they're up and about, you know, like Carl said, this is a critical part. We're less probably two and a half weeks away from getting on a plane. They're into their last stage of the, the bash and that we, you know, revamp that bash as we did speak yesterday just quickly that, you know, we just make it two of the competitive teams and Carl's addressed that with even the game yesterday, the batters sort of played the bowlers and um, so I'm pretty confident, like I said, 99% chance this, this will go ahead and we'll be off to Oman to some great facilities. Uh, that's where the World Cup's going to be held too with Oman and UAE and we've got some great games coming up but the boys are up and ready to go. They're spending their last sort of weekends with family. They'll do isolation before they leave PNG to transit through uh, Brisbane and then on to Dubai and then Muscat. So I, I take my hat off to them under difficult circumstances. But like we said, we're not the only associate country, not the only full member country in this situation. So it's not unique to us. And we just had to make the best of what we have. And we've managed to do that successfully. And, you know, since Carl's come on board and even when Joe was there, when the thing, you know, if we complain about what's happening, that's no good. If we embrace it and find ways around it, we'll come out on top. And I, I think that's what we've done. What's the situation around vaccinations with your players? I know the PNG Olympic Committee heading into Tokyo were quite active in terms of um, trying to get a lot of their athletes, if not all of them, vaccinated. Uh, are some, all of your players vaccinated? Is that a requirement? Yeah, everyone, everyone's done. All the, all the managers, Carl, myself, all the players put their hand up straight away. They got their second vaccination probably three to four weeks ago. All the women have been done. Most of our staff have been done. Uh, we're talking with the under-19s because they'll be going to a World Cup in January, February. So, you know, that is a, a different kettle of fish, as you know, because they're all underage. So, no, they, uh, the players come forward for that. And look, most of the teams we're going to play, if I can't talk to all of them, have been done too. So everyone in the World Cup would have been vaccinated as far as I know. The obvious initial target when you finally get that World Cup underway is that you guys are in those preliminary groups, I guess. Originally, it was Oman, yeah. Sri Lanka and Ireland, and now it's Oman, Bangladesh and Scotland. Um, so, you know, I assume that the first obvious target is to get through that and, and get to the main draw. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is. I mean, look, we've got a lot of cricket before then. Once we once we start that final preparation for the World Cup, we'll really focus in on game one, basically. We've got Oman in Oman, their first ever, you know, home World Cup. We play them first up. So I'm expecting that to be a big occasion. But for me, in every World Cup or Olympics, there's always a a story to come out of it or an underdog or a narrative that someone will knock over a full member or someone will get further along in the tournament than, than expected. And, you know, I say, why, why not us? Like, why can't we be the ones to make it through and, and shock a full member or, or be the story of the World Cup? So that's kind of the message that I'll be putting through to us. Of course, we're looking at that round two. We'll worry about our games in the pool. Um, 
the Aussies have done well giving Bangladesh lots of confidence for us going into that <laughs> World Cup. So <laughs> they'll have their tails wagging. But as and Canva and I have spoken about this quite often, T20, the nature of the game, everyone's in the contest. Now that means you can both win and lose. But on the on the day, that's why we're going to put so much preparation into into mindset, into having the boys prepped and ready to go because it's just. It could be two overs of a T20 game that can swing it either way. And I just want to make sure our boys are in a position to take on those two or three overs that could define the match. So, yeah, as I said, why not us, Vinny? And I think I think we're ready to shock the world. We will be by the time we get to that comp. And as I said, I think a lot of people have a sneaky eye on us knowing that if we really break out and play to our potential, well, yeah, as I say, look out. We could make some, you know, headlines. For the first time in history, New Zealand's Rugby Smart program is being delivered in Pacific languages to encourage more Māori and Pacifica coaches to the field. The first course was held at Manuko Rovers Rugby Football Club in Māngere, Auckland last week, with a compulsory injury prevention workshop translated into Samoan and Tongan. Central Region Delivery Lead of Auckland Rugby, Tira Laupepe, is on a mission to remove any barriers that might be holding back Pacifica people from taking up opportunities both on and off the field. A lot of them don't come to our rugby smarts because uh, language is a barrier. And so that was the feedback that we received. And if that was the only case, then that's an easier barrier to fix. And so uh, I just went about contacting my resources um, across Auckland and counties and just seeing who would be available to speak in their language and deliver a rugby smart course in Pacifica and Māori languages. You know, obviously for me, uh, our solutions lie within the community and it's not until you address them with them that they provide you with the feedback that you need to hear. So there's not many of us at the union that can say, oh, well, we can speak on behalf of the Pacifica community because that's not right. We need to actually connect with those on the grass, understand their needs and then be able to provide solutions for them to then attend or um, participate in the workshops that we have going and help build their dreams and help them become a reality. Over 45 people took part on the night and Leo Pepe says there's already been requests to hold more. They loved it and they wanted more and then from this there were conversations that seemed to how do I become a facilitator, how can I help you do more for our community, um, I want to coach, how do I go down the coaching pathway, can we have more Pacifica and Māori engagement initiatives such as these and how do we help you to drive them? So it was a massive response, um, something I had not, um, well, I just had no idea what would come of this. And I was thinking, okay, our people may criticise me for, you know, the work that I am doing, but it was all really positive uh, criticism. So, yeah. Um, other than um, I need to do more work on the food, <laughs> food side of things, uh, everything else is uh, just superb and real, yeah. Ako Wahine rugby educator Caroline Matamua was one of the Tongan facilitators at the course. The former head coach of the women's Heilala Otonga said it was a celebration of Pacifica contribution and champions that push and pull for Pacific peoples in the rugby space. It's historical. It's a great movement um, for any sports development for a sports to, to do that. It's it shows that there's intentional care for its sports development, but also the people that participate in the sport. 
they recognize, they can see the people that are important, their contribution to the sport and um, and their safety. So for me, that was, I, I was personally really, really happy to see that development. I wish uh, other codes would follow. Matamua helped translate New Zealand's rugby codebook into the Tongan language that was distributed to coaches on the night. She says the course was different to mainstream courses because it felt like everyone was on even paths to learn about something they all know about, but in their own language. This course was really special because you're coming together and the va, or you know, the space and the relationship between uh, Pacific uh, men and women are different, and especially when we speak the language. So when we were doing the modules or the uh, breaking into our groups and training in our own language, we're a lot more mindful, uh, and it's just a, a special. It was a special feeling to, you know, speak speak about safety in your own language, and you know, keep in mind there's words there that have uh, we had to create because there was no Tongan words for, um, you know, like concussion. Lil Pepe, who's been with Auckland Rugby for three years, says it's important for her to create more opportunities and better representation of Pacifica people across all levels of the game. You know, I don't know if there's been any other environment that's been created like that where uh, we felt united and we just felt really well, yeah, more of a community in our own sense and everyone coming together just meant so much to me and, and I know it meant a lot to everyone else. So Because I'm the only uh, Pacifica female that deals with uh, male and female rugby, uh, I really hold my position to the highest esteem and if I'm the only Pacifica person and female being that's on that path that I can create more opportunities for others, then it's important for me that we get a better representation across all fields of the game. So governance, uh, coaches, in our club boards. Um, and that's the only way we can do it, is providing opportunities and ways to build capability within our community. Entirely, it sounds like there was a pretty good uh, reception to that first night last week uh, and plenty more to come. Yeah, um, there was a really big turnout actually and I think they were quite surprised by how many turned up. Um, we had Irone, uh, Savia Tama, Irone Clark turn up and open the night and um, it was just really nice. It was a really special evening, um, plenty of food. Yeah, so they've got a few more courses coming up and they'll be delivered in Nguyen, Cook Island and Te Reo Māori. So well done to TLL Pepe and just everyone that's helping out with rolling that out. Alrighty, well... Uh... Rugby needs a few more players. I guess they do need more coaches as well, and this is a good way to, to get them on the sidelines and contributing to their clubs and their communities. If you want to hear more from Champions of the Pacific, like our local rugby coaches, you can find us online at rnz.co.nz and click on the Pacific tab. Or you can download us from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Until next time, kakite. kite.